All right, most people understand that quote-unquote secular work can still be faithful, holy, and God-glorifying. We get that. However, a lot of us would also acknowledge that there's a lot of value in building and working in Christian businesses, businesses that are explicitly Christian. So where does that leave people who are working in non-Christian work environments? What does it look like to be distinctly Christian when you're in a non-Christian work environment? That's the topic we're tackling on this episode of the podcast. Welcome to Work is Good, a podcast designed to help Christians delight in their work and build wealth faithfully. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. My guest today is Aaron Youngren. Aaron is the head of product at redballoon.work, and I really enjoyed this conversation with him. Please enjoy this week's episode, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, or if you know someone who is, go to clevelandstreet.com. So so thanks again for having me on. Um, yeah, this is an interesting topic. If you think about what the workplace in a modern society is, the workplace is where your your leaders, your your heads of your household are spending the vast majority of their time. Mm-hmm. It's where Americans are spending the vast majority of their time. Uh, their community, if you will, uh, no longer is uh, the people that they pass on the street as they're walking around in their small town. For most Americans, their community is inside the walls of the corporation uh, where, where, where they are. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that that uh, there are many remote workplaces doesn't change that at all. Um, they're, yes, they're having a conversation with a laptop every day right. for eight, yeah. 10 hours a day, but it's still their community. And so to think that the kinds of moral decisions which scripture requires of us somehow are going to be absent from that part of their life or that it is a you know safe space that they don't really have to think about it's secular it's outside of anything that they have to think about in the day to day is is really mistaken now that has been you, you mentioned what does it look like right now the anyone who is under the impression that they can escape the duties, the commands of Christ by going to their workplace, right? Mm. Their duties only apply to the person who lives physically next door to them. That is all being put to the test right now uh, because most people in their workplaces, especially if you're at a larger company, are are being put into a position where they have to decide whether they want their paycheck or their, keep their paycheck or their integrity. Um, And you know, that has led to all kinds of interesting situations. So here at Red Balloon, where we're directly connected to job seekers, we're directly connected to employers trying to do something new. We're seeing how that battle is playing out every day. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And and it's, uh, you know, you you point out that it's it's where you, you send your leaders, your heads of households in Christian communities to spend most of their time during the day. Um, that's, I mean, that's a, a, it sends me down a slightly different direction, but just an interesting um, thing to think about of, you know, you're not just going, yeah, you know, there's so many different responsibilities coming together in where you work, what you work, what you do. Um, but one of them certainly is what environment are you stepping into and letting form you um, so that's that's a really right. interesting thing to think about. Um, you 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 mentioned that you know 
you have to choose at this point, uh, or most people are being forced to choose. And you already were, but it's becoming more and more obvious that you have to choose. Um, like you said, you're gonna are you gonna keep your integrity or your paycheck? Um, what what are the marks of a Christian beyond just you know doing your work well to the glory of God? Um, what does that look like? I guess you know that is the mark. Uh, but what does that look like um, beyond just being kind, not being rude, not being lazy? You know, what are the marks of a di- uh, of someone who's distinctly Christian, especially in a non-Christian workplace where the task itself doesn't necessarily suggest um, a a spiritual mission? You, you know, if if you will, um, ver- where the task itself is secular, obviously it's still a spiritual task. Um, whether you're coding for Microsoft or you know all of that is spiritual, you're doing it to the glory of God or you're not. Um, but what are the, some of the specific marks of a Christian in that kind of a workplace? Sure. So <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned being being kind, not being a troublemaker. Um, you know, I think that right now demands zero courage from any Christian, right? Mm. Being um, someone who doesn't speak up too much and is respectful in their tone, in the way that they talk to others, and and generally behaves like a a jelly. Um, You know, that that is what is demanded of the average ordinary American, especially, again, in in very large companies. So when when I worked at Amazon.com, one of the things I realized early on, that's where I started my career, was in order to be a Christian, I have to be willing to be a troublemaker. I have to be Mm -hmm. willing to to break world rules. Here's why. You know, if you look at scripture, there's a a basic profile of godly workers. Uh, the godly worker is going to be excellent in his work. Do you see a man who's excellent in his work? He will stand before kings, right? The 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 Christian is going to understand that everything that they see that has beauty and craft was created by a creator, and they are seeking to imitate that creator, right? Um, so, so there are some of those things that are almost neutral. And, and sure. I would coach- Yeah, it doesn't seem like a problem I, I, so far. Yeah, I would coach Christians in the workplace and anyone who wants to have a voice, uh, you have to nail those. That's your table mm-hmm. stakes. You've got to show up to work. You've got to work hard. You've got to- um, leave things better than you found them, try to improve them, and and really seek excellence in your work. That is what is the currency that you can then use to do the rest of your Christian mission. Mm. The rest of your Christian mission, things like being someone who speaks the truth and knows where true authority lies, that is the challenge that the you know your American workers are up against today. How do I speak the truth when everyone from the CEO down is telling me that it's perfectly okay and and a necessary part of my job to hire based on a race and gender table? Right. That requires a moment of truth. That requires someone to speak truth. Right. right. How do I navigate a situation in which I am I'm I'm being forced to ingest a level of training and and uh, assent to um, the supposed truth of a training that tells me 
um, that I personally have offended the world's minorities. Mm. Okay, that that requires a truth teller. Right. Um, and that means and that you're going to be that. a rule breaker. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, you, you now have to be able to articulate your reasoning for those things. You know, you can't just be okay knowing, yeah, it's the right thing to do. You now have a responsibility as a Christian because you're going to have to answer that question. No, I can't do this. Why? Well, because it's wrong. Why? And you now have to be able to give an answer. Um, you know, I, I we had, Andrew Kapuscitz come out to a men's conference here and he talked about practicing those answers is a faithful thing right. to be preparing for because you're going to have to expect to give those answers. And this is a, you know, what is difficult right now. And, and this is part of our mission at, at Red Balloon. We're not just out there to help every Christian, right? We're, right. we're out there right. to help people that are seeking um, to, to work in a workplace where they can be protected from having to comply with things they don't believe in, right? right. That, where they can actually have medical freedom, uh, medical privacy, and and be respected enough by their employer uh, to be thought to be capable of making complex moral decisions, right? Right. Um, yeah. and, and, and so for us, we see it as our mission to go out and make that space. But it mm. is far more difficult if you are in an aggressively ideologically driven workplace and you don't really have your foundation set, right? It's a lot more yeah. difficult to navigate that space. Many people are failing. I had a uh, um, someone in my last workplace, uh, I had decided not to to take the vaccine for, um, for Christian reasons. And uh, th this person, it, it was the most heartbreaking story. She looked at me in the eye when I told her why I was leaving this company. She said, uh, that is so crazy that you say that. I, I don't have any re religious reasons at all, but I was told I had to do it and I did it and I had the worst feeling afterwards. And I don't mm. know why. Why mm. did that feel so bad that I was coerced into making a decision mm. I, I, I didn't want to make? So mm. she didn't have the the moral grounding or the sure. philosophical grounding or the religious grounding to make that decision. Sure. She just knew something was wrong. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't a moment where you just decided on the spot without any forethought of I'm going to make this decision. Um, and, you know, we talked no. about rehearsing those answers. How do you start as a Christian? Um, how do you start preparing for whatever, whatever, you know, right now, you know, a year ago, 18 months ago, it was you had to expect a specific issue of the vaccine issue. Um, now it, it looks a little bit different. Um, but how do you start preparing uh, to uh, to make faithful decisions and to, to maintain your integrity in, a, in an environment where it's going to be difficult too? Yeah, I think two things are key. Um, the first would be you know American Christians have been told a a lie over and over again. And that lie is that we are not really in battle. Uh, we are not really in a high stakes uh, war in which we know that we are going to win, that the, the, the war against the forces of darkness, we're somehow protected from that in our enlightened 
Western era, right? So if you don't have a battle-ready mentality, of course you're mm. not going to prepare. Of course you're not going to be ready for the opportunity in front of you. This is why this moment has caught so many people off guard. So the first thing is come to terms with the fact that the rest of your life you have been drafted into a battle for good. You are mm. part of the forces. The Lord has enlisted you, right? Mm. Um, and then, and then the second thing is um, you have to make use of the opportunity when it comes and not, in, in my personal opinion, you don't have to force the opportunity, right? Yeah. But, but it starts by being, you know, seizing on the moment to push conversations a little further than anybody is comfortable mm. or asking a slightly subversive question in the chat when you're listening to, you know, I, I was in a, 45 minute long um, coming out story from one of our employees, uh, uh, this gay mm. Cuban guy, right? Mm. You gotta, you gotta ask questions that push it a little bit, and and you have to know that that's your job, right? That that is your job. Your job is not to be an obnoxious person in the workplace. You're supposed to be working, but uh, I think it's more spiritual to to start a theological conversation all the time. But those opportunities are there if you take them and if right. you have the mindset that's ready to take them. Yeah, yeah. So that that example is really interesting to me because um, you, you know I think again, like like I said, it was much more common maybe a year ago to have that moment of there's a very clear line here of whether, you know, the decision itself maybe isn't so clear, but my integrity, my conscience is very clear, maybe one way or the other, and I have to make a big stand here. Um, but yeah. I a lot more now, or just a lot more commonly of the, the situation where it's just, this is the conversation that's being had, um, you know, not you have to sign your name, maybe that, that kind of stuff does happen, I know, to this pledge, um, that you don't agree with, but maybe it's more of just a mild situation of um, the conversations going this direction, or this is kind of um, the consensus. Um, what, yeah, can you talk a little bit more? I know you just did, but just flesh out what your responsibility and where that responsibility comes from in those moments where I could be quiet here. I'm not affirming anything um, by being quiet. Uh, I'm not being asked to affirm anything actively. Um, right. And I don't want to look for trouble. How do you how do you think through those situations? Probably a lot of prayer ahead of time, like because they're not clear moments um, of I need to say this now. Uh, so a lot of prayer ahead of time, I'm sure, is is definitely a, a wise step to take. But how do you how do you sort through your responsibility in those kind of more subtle situations? Sure. So. Uh, I think that for for the most part, as we talk to people at at Red Balloon, um, we're talking to, to job seekers every day that are trying to um, trying to make these kinds of decisions and trying to understand what their responsibility is. Okay, and and the one thing that comes up over and over again um, for me is that everyone is in a little bit of a tactical battle. Right. So so I think the wrong mentality is to say, well, I need to define where my line is and the line that I will not cross. And then I'm going to quit on that day. Right. And that's kind of the only thing you're thinking through. Right. Um, right. 
I, I think you have to approach it the way that we would approach the rest of uh, the rest of an observed life and the, the rest of a, a Christian life, which is moment by moment, day by day, we're saying, how can I have done better? If I pass an opportunity that's on the table, I repent of that. I learn from it. I'm thinking about my responsibility, not just in, in the ultimate picture, but um, but in every single situation I get into. Right. It's just a part of who I am. It's just a part of the way I think. It's a part of my my prayer life. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. ready to to go into battle. So then um, what that does is it, it helps me to have an environment where I can I can kind of try things. Right. <laughs> because may, maybe I'm going to try um, pushing a conversation into an awkward direction because I feel responsibility to tell the truth today. And, you know, sometimes uh, that that wasn't uh, that was a little early for that relationship. I just met this person. Mm. I blasted in with my, you know, uh, my my, you you know, my apologetics canon. I took that out and just blasting everyone in the room. It wasn't actually super loving. And we had a job to do. And I kind of made it awkward for everyone. Well, you you can repent of that just as much as you can repent Mm. of everything else. Um, but, but there are plenty of times there should be for all of us, plenty of times where we have a conversation. We know that we didn't do our job. We know that in this moment, I didn't really do my job. We can repent of that. We're under grace. Right. And then the next time we can go after it again. And that's going to be different things for different people. Um, you know, I noticed when, when I was, uh, I managed an international innovation team for many years for amazon.com. Whenever we were on a travel trip, I would be talking to my community. We would be praying a lot because you get a lot more opportunity mm. for meaningful yeah. conversations when you're traveling. Everyone's yeah. a little strung out. Yep. You know, <laughs> there's just a lot of those. When you're having a 15 minute Zoom call with someone, you have fewer. Right. So you just yeah. have to be wise and tactical about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we are much more conscious of it and, and, it's, much, and it's happening a lot more. But it's always been, you know, I, it's even though the the topic has changed, there's always been those kind of opportunities where you have a responsibility. Where I think of back when I had like a summer job and I was around coworkers who talked about sleeping around and things like that, and that was the same same sort of conflict. Even though it was a different topic, um, it was what is my responsibility here? Can I say nothing? Um, right. You know, what does that look like? Um, so can you help? by, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that, that um, I don't know if it was a Zoom call, I can't remember, I think you said the, the coming out call where you, you yeah. asked a question in the chat. Practically, what are some of the ways to start those, those conversations um, where it's just, what, what kind of questions are you asking? What kind of things are you saying? Sure. Sure. So um, I, I think this is this is a great opportunity for people. If you are drug into a meeting and the meeting is about how we are hiring based on race and gender, ask an awkward question. I'm just giving, for example, or sexual orientation, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a- ask an awkward question. Why are we doing this now? You may feel in the moment, I, again, different people are in different situations. Yeah. If you don't have the capital to ask it in front of everyone. I mean, you could certainly do that. You don't feel like you have the capital, then approach the the, the manager, the director, go several levels up, um, a- ask a question. Why, you, you know, I remember, you know, for goodness sakes, put put the onus on them and be a likable person. 
hey, this might be a weird question, but I remember 15 years ago when it was really bad for us to hire based on race. You know, have you thought about that? Uh, I, I remember just a few years ago where we were trying to have some kind of equality. Um, we can get into that, but tell me how that fits in with this new program that you that you have. The, the issue is most of the leadership that are adopting these ideas in, in a company you know, you might get a lot of defensiveness, but you get defensiveness because they don't really believe it either. Right? Mm. <laughs> They're just going along to get yeah. along. It's a way that they feel like they can influence the young people, you know. Yeah. And um, so so just a little bit of a nudge is is perfectly fine for me. When I when I quit my last company, it was a Fortune 100 company. I was leading a, 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 a large analytics team. Um, when I quit, I felt like this was my opportunity to be very public and to encourage mm -hmm. others uh, mm -hmm. to to do something right to give them an, an example. So I fired off an open letter to the CEO of the company and about 200 of my colleagues and went into great detail about uh, all of the things that, you know, I had pushed at a little bit here or there mm. Um you know, all of the all of the problems that probably 40 percent of their workforce agreed with, but just didn't know how to say anything. Right. Yeah. And I think that is a lot of the value that you've been getting at is that, you know, you might not necessarily change the decision. You might not necessarily persuade right. the higher up. Um, but a lot of times you do it in a way that encourages other people that they're not the only ones thinking that thing. Um, and right. then, or even, and it might be a change because, you know, there might be a lot of strikes, but then there are probably, um, I, I think it was Andrew again that I heard him talking about, um, someone who's on a shareholder at Costco or something who finally called back and said, why are we doing this, supporting this gay parade? Um, you know, we have no business there. That's not going to benefit us at all. And, the, sh and the, the decision makers said something like, thank you. We needed someone pushing back on this side so we could take that to um, to the shareholders and say, there's there's people pushing back on both sides. So we just, we can't, you know, it's not like a one-sided thing. So just um, it, encouraging others, even if you're not necessarily changing the decision, but encouraging others with some of that, like, you're not the only one kind of thing. And let, and let me say one more thing about that. Yeah. Um, you are encouraging others that believe like you do, but also because we know how the world is actually supposed to work. Mm. The more that you can make trouble um, mm. in spaces in which it is not working and which it is corrupt, the more freedom you're going to bring anyway. So mm. if I hire that person, that minority, based on the chart that we're trying to fill, mm. that person is not, you know, there might be a short-term whim for them that, mm -hmm. you, you know, right then, yeah. um, where they get a, a quick bump or they get promoted into a spot. Um, they are always going to know that's what you did, right? It does not help them to do that because the Lord has created a world in which hard work and a striving for excellence and merit are the ways that the things that are supposed to be rewarded, right? So in going out and making trouble, yes, you encourage the people who believe like you, 
But ultimately, you're doing good for the people who don't believe yeah, like you. That's really good. Because they yeah. are living in disorder. They're living in a mess, and that can only come to ruin in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really helpful point. You're doing it in the best interest of the company, of the individuals. Yep. That's a really helpful point. Yeah. It's great. I'm sure Bud Light thinks that, you know, wishes someone would yeah. have made a stink earlier on. Um, and said, hey, what what, what in the world mm. are we doing? Um, they wouldn't have lost millions and millions of dollars, you know, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. that would have happened. Maybe that person wouldn't have gotten any of the credit. Yeah. But they would have yeah. done the right thing for the company. No, that's a that's a really good point. Really good point. Uh, great. Well, we'll start to wrap it up a little bit. Um, Aaron, if, if you could have people in that situation who are who are working in a non-Christian workplace, whether it's neutral uh, you know, fairly, it feels, you know, it's not super oppressive or, or they're in an area where they're feeling like I'm going to have to make a decision here pretty soon. Um, what's one thing that you would have people take away from this conversation? What do you want them to know? Can I, can I, yeah, can I make it two, two things. Okay. I'm going to make it two things. Yeah, absolutely. The first one and the easy one is it is always helpful to have options, right? So if you, go to a place like Red Balloon, you can figure out that there are options for you. Um, the Lord may be calling you to stay in that hostile work environment for a long time. Mm -hmm. But if you know, I'm not alone in this, I'm not the only one, there's a possibility of a future for my family, you're going to be a lot freer to make good decisions, right? Yeah. So get acquainted with um, the companies out there, the people out there, organizations like ours that are trying to open up space for you long term. So mm -hmm. it's not a decision between, you know, <laughs> uh, laughing at the CRT training and providing for my family, right. you know, long term. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's one thing. I think the second thing is if you are not in the habit of seeing the people that you work with as real eternal beings, right? Uh, out there in the media world, everything is painted as just pure good guys, bad guys, as mm. orcs and humans. That is yeah. not the way the real world works. I think mm. a lot of Christians are out there in, in large companies confused because they say, I actually like some of these people that I'm working with, right? Well, mm. that's something that the that God has put into you, right? Don't, mm. don't run away from that. But you need to have the courage enough to... To, to tell them the truth to their face, to love them in that way, as well as just being nice and being a good worker. Um, so set your mind on actually uh, doing good in, in the world, not fake good, not being just purely nice, but actually helping those people that you already care about in your workplace. Yeah, no, that's super helpful, awesome. So, Aaron, I'm going to give you a minute to talk. You, you've, you've talked a little bit about it, but I'm going to give you a minute to talk specifically about what is Red Balloon, what's going on over there, who's it for, um, what, what should your listeners know about that? Okay. Um, so I, I truly believe we have one of the most interesting um, perspectives on what's happening in America right now. Red Balloon connects employers that want to champion freedom and, and medical privacy in their workplaces and employees who want the same. And mm -hmm. so everyone who comes to Red Balloon, employers take a pledge that they are going, that the constitution still matters even in the workplace. 
um, employers take a or em, job seekers take a pledge that they are going to work hard and um, y- you know and and not carry cultural C4 into an in, into their workplace and try to blow everything apart by being entitled. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, as a part of that we get a front row seat to see all of those decisions that I was talking about. Um, It's actually incredible the number of employers that are forging a new space in in software, in engineering, manufacturing, um, forging a new kind of workplace that really does live up to these ideals. Uh, we get to talk to them. We get to serve them. We get to try to make that connection for them. Part of that is through our job board, which anybody can be a part of. Part of that is through um, some white glove services where we actually walk employers through the entire first part of the hiring process and they get fully vetted, um, culturally fit uh, employees out the other side. That's what we do. And it's a blast. That's awesome. That's great. Well, uh, I'll, I'll let you give one last plug here for you guys. Um, you guys have an ad going around. How can, how can people find that ad? Give it a little watch. Yeah, so the ad you're talking about um, is kids describing a future America in which everyone is on edge, everyone is sensitive, um, kind of the, the the low point of America that we are in, what does that look like when we play it out 20 years in the mm. future? That, you know, that ad has now over 7 million views and we would love for it to have legs. It's things like that that help people. I talked before about my friends who know something is wrong but can't describe it. They can't, they can't put it into words. Things like that connect with those folks and that's what we want to do. So mm. please share that with people. Ask your friends to share it. We'd love to see that go as far as it can. That's awesome. That's great. All right, Aaron. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Uh, all the best and what's ahead for you guys. I'm excited to follow your progress over at Red Balloon. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, Share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.